0: My name is D. Millard. My name is Blake Smith. And welcome to another episode of Tap, Tap in. in.
1: So in today's, for new viewers, today' today's episode is um, covering game one of the NBA finals. If you want to check out our last episode, we posted it a couple days ago, sort of talking about what this podcast is going to be about, which is hot NBA topics surrounding the league year round. And so and then we also addressed our finals picks. So, I know Dean's happy if you Boston um, in 6 to the podcast.
0: Boston and oh. 6, let me sip, let me sit this team, man. Nah. Boston in 6.
1: You got game 1. I, hey, I said on the last podcast, I said Warriors in 7, but I did say Boston was going to get one at, in Golden State. I didn't know it was going to be game 1, but you got it.
0: Hey man, easy like Sunday morning.
1: So getting into the game, it felt like, I don't know about you, but to me it felt like four different games. You had Steph Curry going off in the first quarter, looking like he was about to go for 50 and get that first final, looking like he's stamping, solidifying that finals MVP that people say he needs. Then you got the second quarter, Boston coming back and how dominant Golden State felt. It was like, oh, my God, Boston's up by two. And then then you got the annual game third quarter blitz by the Warriors where they absolutely annihilate teams in the third quarter. They go up 15. You have Iggy hitting the three at the end of the quarter. It just felt like everything was going going the same way. And then you got the fourth quarter, the Al Horford quarter, the Jalen Brown quarter, (laughs) the Derek White quarter. You got people going crazy. So what are your thoughts on that sort of crazy game with so many swings?
0: Hey, man. First of all, I want to go back to last episode. We called it. I think our takes are pretty on point. Obviously, I have Boston in six. You have Warriors in seven. Uh, you know, my projection Celtics win game one, obviously, like they did. I think the Warriors are going to take game two. I think the Celtics are going to win three and four at home. Warriors come back home when they're game five. And I think the Celtics are going to close out at six, in six at the Garden. But mm, referring hate, to this,
1: before, b- before you get into that. I, I, I like to object to that because the Warriors, as Steph, Clay, and Draymond have, every time they played a series together, they've always won at least one road game. And the Celtics have been better on the road in the playoffs than at home. They're like five and four at home and like six and two on the road. So are you sure Boston's going to win all them
0: games at home? Hey, man. Sure about that? I think this game one was pivotal for Boston. First of all, honestly, just watching the game flow, I did not think Boston was going to win that game. Specifically, like you said, in the third quarter. That is the Warriors' quarter to, to show out, show off. They take over games. They know how to string together possessions, defensive stops, offensive, get to their spots, get good possessions. But I think something that I saw was the Celtics did not back down. Sure, Tatum, he didn't have the best game. 12 points, 3 for 17 shooting. But like we said, Going back to last episode, our takes were on point. Those role players played a key factor specifically for the Celtics. Let me start with the the Warriors first. Andrew Wiggins had 20 points. We said he was going to be an X factor. Draymond, however, was our other X factor for the Warriors. He had four points. This was not himself. Moving over to the Celtics, Al Horford, 26 points. Like we said, he is a difference maker. In that Celtics uniform, he is just a different player. Then we have Derek White who's continuing to improve, continue to show that he's here to stay, he has 21 points. So those role players played a pivotal role to fill, fill that void for Tatum not having the best shooting night and not having the best offensive night. However, Tatum did other things, and I think that, that was what was a difference maker for the Celtics. Sure, his shot wasn't falling, but on the defensive end, he stepped up to the plate. He, took, he made stops. He made plays. And then offensively, people overlook this. You don't have to just score as a star player. He, his shots weren't falling. He wasn't – everything wasn't going his way. He was facilitating. In post-game interviews, Peyton Pritchard and many of his other teammates said it's, he's, un, he's an underrated passer and playmaker. He was making great assists and hockey assists, setting up other players. So I think it, all in all, the Celtics played a great game. They didn't back down. That ball movement was was superb.
1: Yeah, a couple of things that I saw one with Jason Tatum being a playmaker, what was so critical to his playmaking is that usually he's like leading the league in um, playoff turnovers this year, he only had two turnovers so he's efficient with his playmaking which was a huge thing because you don't want the Warriors to get out in transition Steph hits a three the crowd gets going, then it just feels like the momentum can shift that quickly. But one thing I did see was just Boston felt nervous in the first quarter a little bit, especially with their defense. A lot of Steph getting off was because of that. defensive breakdowns. and then you could see sort of the adjustments email Udoka had. They were in a drop coverage where like Marcus Smart or Derek White, whoever the primary defender on. Steph was um, getting over the screen while the um, while the big men were dropped well, drop well they dropped they were still in drop but they dropped le- a lot less on um in the second third and fourth quarter and we saw how pivotal it is to stop Steph because when Steph wasn't going or when Steph wasn't in the game the old Warriors offense looked sort of whack especially with Draymond like sort of not being the offensive threat when you have Iggy in the game like he's inconsistent you can't rely on his jump shot etc and then on the flip side we saw what the Warriors' game, game plan defensively was. They they were like, Jason Tatum's not beating us. Every time Jason Tatum had the ball, they had their best perimeter defender on him. But then they also made sure he, they clogged the lane so he could not get to the basket. And all his shots that he had to shoot were contested um, three-pointer mid-range jump shots. So they were like, we'll let Al Horford beat him. We'll let Derek White beat us. And guess what? They did. But the only thing I see with the Warriors doing that is we've seen that, like, Al Horford and Derek White and Marcus Smart have stepped up to the plate these playoffs. We've seen them do it against the Nets. We've seen them yeah. do it against the Bucks. Like, regardless if it's just one of them or all of them, I know they won't shoot 15 for 23 from the three combined, but we've seen them step up. So I'm not sure that's the necessary game plan that I want to see out of the Warriors. But, yeah, and then also we haven't mentioned his name much. But Jalen Brown won that game. He won them that game. They were down 12 going into the fourth quarter. And guess what? Jalen brown willed them to come back and then the role players sort of took over at the end when they and make their open shots but without Jalen brown hitting those side step threes getting to the bucket and sort of playing great defensively he was in passing lanes etc they don't win that game so that flurry where Jalen brown accounted for like 20 of the first 23 points in the fourth quarter won them that game when when the game was still in the balance
0: And that's something I was going to mention is turning points, because basketball is a game of runs, especially in, you know, this phase of the playoffs, finals. You know, it's important to string together, like I said, defensive stops and good offensive possessions. I mean, these are two really, really fundamental teams, especially offensively. We saw, like I said, the Celtics did not back down from moving the ball, passing up a good shot for a great shot. So, but Jalen Brown, I think this was a turning point. Obviously, in the third quarter, the Warriors had got what they got. But Jalen Brown coming out in that fourth quarter was on go mode. He he saw the green light and he saw Tatum, okay, Tatum's not having the best night. What am I gonna do as the second option? But a great second option. He's an offensive threat, defensive threat, great two-way player. And he was getting to his spots, hitting tough, tough shots contested. And just making plays and stringing together those possessions and good shots and just getting hot really quickly. And I think that was like that was like foot on the throttle for the Celtics. I think that was like a morale boost. It gave them the whole team, including the role players, the confidence that we can win this game. We can hang with this team. Sure, we haven't been here, but we have the role players. We have the ball movement. And even when our star player isn't hitting, we have the depth. To, to make plays and to keep up with this team. And that's what they did. And I think also, too, that gave Tatum the confidence to see my guy Jalen is hooping, so I'm going to – I'm sure I'm not hitting shots. I'm going to facilitate. I'm going to trust my teammates, and they're going to make big plays and show up. And that's what they did. So I would say that that's a bigger turning point in this game is Jalen Brown turning it on than the Warriors in the third quarter, honestly.
1: Yeah, I think a big storyline in this series will not only be the battle of the Batmans and Steph and Jadam, but the battle – um, Jason, but the Battle of the Robins. Um, we saw Jalen Brown thoroughly outplayed Klay Thompson, well, and chef. that's one, that's one thing that the Celtics have. They have a Robin that can easily be a Batman every night this series. While Klay Thompson, coming from his injuries, he's not really a person that like can get his shot off the as much as Jalen Brown can, it's harder for him to make an imprint off his game if the Warriors' offense isn't flowing and Draymond Green's not playing well because Draymond Green's so pivotal in getting Steph and Clay going. So I think Jay- that's like an underrated storyline. Jalen Brown has the potential to win them this series because he, at any point in the series, could be the second or best player on the court, while Clay Thompson, I think, ceiling would be like the second best player or third best player on the court.
0: One but another storyline.
1: One thing I want oh, to button and say,
0: Blake, real quick, real quick. Just staying on the Jalen Brown topic, because you know, these, these players on the Warriors are key as well. Jordan Poole, I, you may, may have mentioned him earlier. Jalen Brown exploited that matchup. Whenever he saw Jordan Poole in front of him, that was even more, the basket became bigger. There were images and plays and videos of, of Steph Curry looking at Jordan Poole like, what are you doing? Just just poor, poor defense on Jalen Brown. He did not step up to the challenge. Warriors fans may make excuses like, oh, well, Jordan Poole hasn't been here before. Jordan Poole isn't the best defensive player. But I just think Jordan Poole did not show up this game offensively or defensively. And I think on the bigger end is defensively. Because whenever, whenever Jalen Brown saw him, it was green light, and he just could not keep up with him. So I think Jordan Poole. I'm gonna I'm gonna shift my my opinion a little bit. I think moving forward, Jordan Poole is gonna be a slight X factor as well, because we know what he can do on offense when he's hitting, and how much more dangerous it makes the Warriors. And then defensively, I mean, sure you can be an offensive player, but you got to be able to hold your own on defense, especially if you're gonna step up to the challenge and guard an elite offensive player like Jalen Brown.
1: Yeah, I agree. There's a, there's, the Warriors have a lot of depth, but they have a lot of one-sided depth. And what I mean by that is you have Andre Iguodala, who's only on the court for defense. You have Jordan Poole, who's only on the court for offense. And the weird thing is Steve Kerr, a major thing, is he's going to have to figure out a lineup that's going to work. Because I don't know if Jordan Poole can be on the court with Steph Curry in the series because then you have two you have two defensive liabilities but then we also see Steve Kerr run a lineup with Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green or Draymond Green and Kevon Looney but then you have two people you don't have to guard on the perimeter and we saw the Boston sort of exploit that we're like okay Draymond go shoot those threes Okay, Iggy, go shoot those threes. We only have to guard you. We can rough up Steph off the picks. We can rough off Andrew Wiggins, rough up Jordan Poole, rough up Clay Thompson, and make their, get them out of their offense. And we saw Draymond shot two for twelve. Like Draymond's inability and Andre inability inability to score. <laughs> I'm drawing. The inability to score is crucial in this series. But then also, like like you said, if Jordan Poole I don't know how big of a – I think Jordan Poole could be a really big negative this series because here's my thing. Jordan Poole is great offensively, but who's going to be guarding him? The defensive player of the year or Derek Wright, who's an excellent perimeter defender. Boston Ooh. has great perimeter defenders, but what Jordan Poole gets up on defense, it's like it was whoever offense it's like, okay, Jordan Poole is guarding. Derek White, you come set a screen for Jalen Brown. Now Jordan Poole is on Jalen Brown.
0: Like, Let me say this. Let me say this. I don't Just, know what
1: they're going to do with Jordan Poole this series.
0: I want you to figure it out for your Warriors. You pick Warriors in seven. We talked about, like you said, one-sided players in this lineup. I mean, sure, they all have different, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Those role players and those, you know, second-tier players under Steph and, and Dre and Clay. But we talked last, series, last episode about that death lineup that the Warriors are dangerous with. And we projected that they were going to utilize that to their advantage.
1: I would adjust that. I was going to say. I was going to say. That gonna that say. Adjust that.
0: They did not start with that lineup. They started with Steph, Clay, Dre, Kavon, Looney, and Wiggins. They didn't start with Jordan Poole. So what are your thoughts about that? What do you think the Warriors should start with? And what do you think they should rely on as I a think
1: their death. I think their death lineup in this series will be – their best lineup will be – they can start Kevin Looney because Kevin Looney needs to establish himself. He got him a couple offensive rebounds, and they can't let Robert Williams and Al Horford dominate the paint from the beginning of the game. They they can't let that happen. But in the end of the game, closing lineup, it got to be Steph, Clay, Otto Porter, Draymond, and Andrew Wiggins. Sorry, I forgot Wiggins. That needs to be their closing lineup because the Celtics' closing lineup is it seems like they're going to slide Al Horford to the five, Because it spreads the four and they can play sort of five out and make spacing way better for Jalen and Jason to attack. And then, and so I think Otto Porter is what is the key role player now in this series because Jordan Poole, like I said, he gives up way too much defensively. And we saw how easy Jalen Brown was exploiting that matchup. Mark is smart. But Otto Porter gives them length and wing depth. But then we also saw Otto Porter has the ability to knock down perimeter shots. Like, you can't leave Otto Porter down. I mean, we all know when he was with the Wizards, he was, like, 48% from three with John Wall. Like, you can't leave Otto Porter open. And I think Otto Porter gives them the best of both worlds, like – he has the defense not as good as Iguadala, but he has good, solid defense. But then he can also spread the court so you, can only, so you can still have Draymond on the court because you can't have a Draymond and Iggy in there. But then if you have Jordan Poole in there too much, it gives something up defensively. So I think he sort of slots in as the best of both worlds. And then we'll also see maybe possibly more Gary Payton instead of Jordan Poole at the end of the series because he won't be an offensive – he's not an offensive liability, but he'll definitely make it much harder than Jordan Poole does.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, as it pertains to, like, the Celtics, if I'm speaking from my perspective, um, you know, I pick Celtics in six. I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, Imei started the fourth quarter with those, like, that role-player lineup in addition to Jalen Brown, which shows the trust that he has in those role players, and I think that's what gives the, the Celtics a slight advantage. They have more of those two-sided, you know, two-sided-the-ball two role players that can play offense and defense. The Al Horfords, the Derek Whites, the Peyton Pritchards. I mean, okay, he didn't have the most points. He had eight points. He can get stops. He can force turnovers. He can get in those passing lanes. So I just, I'm, i really see a light at the end of the tunnel for this Celtics team. Um, I think big, big factors here. Tatum not having the best night. I don't think that's going to happen again. And we saw how slow of a start they got, to, they got off to the Celtics did in that first quarter. Just those, you know, first finals game jitters. I think as this, as this series goes on and the Celtics gain more confidence, I think that those jitters are going to go away more, and I think they can start off games better. So I'm pretty optimistic for the Celtics. I still think there's a long series ahead. I mean, we saw Draymond on his podcast and, you know, and in in post-game interviews after the game saying they're not worried. They've been here before. You know, they're battle-tested. They've been in the championship. They know what it's like to lose games early and how to come back from that, and they have the championship pedigree. So – I'm not too concerned for the Warriors this early. I think it's too early to tell. But all in all, great series ahead, and I'm really excited. You have any other two, thoughts?
1: Two takeaways that I have before for the rest of this series. One, as much as people are like, oh, Jason Tatum can't play that bad, I don't think Draymond Green can play that bad ever again. I think Draymond Green realizes that his offensive inability, and he even acknowledged on his podcast, like, he has to get stuff going. And I think he'll make the requisite adjustments. Two – Will Jason Tatum be willing to be a playmaker for most of the series? Like I said earlier, the Warriors' defensive game plan is going to make sure, unless they switch it up, which I don't intend them to do not because I don't think they think – I think they, the Warriors are thinking game one was sort of a fluke. They're like Derek White, Al Horford, and Marcus Smart are going 15 from 23 from three, and they're not going to continuously beat us. So will Jason Tatum be content – Continuing to be a playmaker because the way the Warriors defense, they had Wiggins, a great perimeter defender on him, or Draymond, and then they always had help. They weren't letting him get to the basket. They weren't letting him get off, and a lot of his shots are going to be contested shots, which he's capable of making, but it's going to be hard for Jason Tatum to get off. I'm not saying he's not capable, but it's going to be hard because the Warriors' focus is to stop him will Jason Tatum be willing to continue to be the 12 assist guy or will he sort of get anxious and be like, Oh, I got to go get 30 by the end of the C se- by the end of the um series. Like I got to do something to help my team scoring wise. Cause that's what he's getting paid to do. So those, that's another two factors, but um, I definitely see, I definitely still got the Warriors in seven as great as that fourth quarter was for the Celtics. Let's not forget the Warriors did get up 15. Like, they were working when their offense was flowing and they had that lineup with Otto Porter out there, Steph, Clay, and they had the spacing with Draymond orchestrating it. It was working. So, I know it's great Boston sort of playing with house money this game too. They can lose this game and be like, whatever. It's sort of like if the Warriors lose, it's like, oh, shoot. But the Celtics are like, okay, like we lost, but we already stole our one. So, it's like – but I definitely still – I can definitely see a path for the Warriors still win this series. So, Warriors and seven. Hey, man, Warriors Boston in is six.
0: Thank Warriors in seven. Hey, man, listen, listen, listen. We got the advantage right now, but thank you for another – Before for we wrap tapping... up,
1: before we wrap up real quick, you want to put a bet on the series? A I'm little a bet. friendly bet?
0: I mean, what you got? Go ahead.
1: Warriors win 20, 20 – we'll put – comp 20 bucks. Boston <laughs> wins the series. Boston wins the series, you get 20, I win the series. Warriors win, I get
0: 20. All right, man. All right, man. All right. Listen, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident. But I'm confident. thank you, everybody, for for tuning in to another episode of Tap in. in. And we hope to, we hope to hear from you next time. We hope you tap in next time. Uh, let us know if you have any suggestions or anything like that. We're gonna be starting creating a new Instagram account for this Tap In podcast. So stay tuned, stick around, and thank you for tapping in. Take thank care, you, y'all. I'm going.